The Fremont Local Food Hub podcast is all about promoting local food and healthy eating. And the Lander Body Works helps their clients continue that healthy lifestyle. Lander Body Works is a fitness studio located at 605 Main Street in Lander. They offer a variety of exercise options, including spin classes, TRX, personal training, and much, much, much more. Follow them on LanderBodyWorks.com and like their Facebook page. Welcome to the Riverton Local Food Podcast. This is Jack Schmidt, and each week we try to keep you abreast of what's local, what's fresh, and what's happening in the local food here in Riverton, Wyoming. Well, the report on the Food Hub this week is just a little discouraging. On Wednesday morning, Consumer Health Services came to inspect our facility. Now, remember, this is... This is a restaurant that's been opened under four or five different managers for the last 20 years, and it's been certified and licensed as a legal kitchen. So I don't know exactly what's changed, but on Wednesday we found out that the hand-washing sink is in the wrong place. This has to be corrected before we can be certified, and the, and the cost and time of materials is substantial. The only other thing that needs to be done is a little bit of rust knocked it off some shelves on one refrigerator, and we repaint them, and the cost of this is negligible and could happen in a matter of hours. We could be up and running. We sure got no kick coming over that ruling, but the hand-washing sink is certainly a hurdle to address. We're a nonprofit, and, of course, we're working on a shoestring, and, and really the city of Riverton is the actual owner, and if anybody runs this facility, they'll have to comply and spend the money. On a broader scale, local food advocates in Wyoming are establishing a local food coalition. And one of the main focuses of this coalition is to deal with the regulations that the people wanting to get in food productions must comply with. Now, it goes without saying that everybody wants to be safe. And we all want to be clean because we all eat a food that we produce. But the rules must be clear, and they must be concise, and they must be the same from inspector to inspector. So right now, we're looking at alternatives and a way to appeal the ruling, and we'll keep you informed. Riverton's in the Wind River Basin, but that doesn't mean we don't move around, and a, and a trip over Togety Pass into, into Jackson's a common occurrence. Anybody that visits Jackson certainly has seen that three-story greenhouse just off the square. This beautiful edifice to local produce makes farmers all over Wyoming envious because with this wonderful greenhouse, they're able to grow produce all year round. But as we'll find out today, this structure has a lot bigger story than just producing food for the local Jackson population. Our first guest today on the Riverton Local Foods podcast is Jennifer Tenneken, who has produced and directed a film about the greenhouse and the people that run it. And that story is what we present to you today. We're talking to Jennifer Tenneken from Jackson, Wyoming. And Jennifer is the producer and director of a film called Hearts of Glass that is touring the state starting next Monday, September the 16th here in Riverton. And we have Jennifer here with us today. How are you today, Jen? 
I'm great. I'm great. We're excited to be kicking off our Wyoming greeting and discussion tour in Riverton with uh, CWC. Thank you, Edwin. We're excited to have you, too. And especially, I don't think the word, I didn't know the implications mm-hmm. of that beautiful structure there in Jackson. I've seen it. Uh, you know, you, you, you see that great edifice of uh, uh, going ever three stories high, I think, uh, full of right. produce. But you, people don't really know the story, and that's what you're getting out. Could you lay that story and how, how that thing came to be? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a longer story than my film tells of how it came to be because it was about eight years in the making before the doors opened. Um, it took a huge amount of community and state buy-in um, to create this social impact business. So it's a, the business is called Vertical Harvest. Um, and, and just to be completely transparent, I'm a filmmaker. I tell community stories. I'm not associated with the greenhouse, but it's, it was a really compelling story in my community. So that's how I got involved. And plus, you know, Jackson, like many places in Wyoming, is a small town. So you typically know everybody who's doing anything interesting in town. And uh, I knew the three women behind vertical harvest and um it's a combination it it grew out of two it it serves two community needs uh year-round produce in a place where clearly we have a very short outdoor growing season and um and then also the issue of meaningful and competitively paid jobs for community members with disabilities so typically an underemployed population a population that is often eager and willing and capable of work. And uh, so it's basically a social impact business. And um, and that's the impact, that, that's the part of it that I'd really like to stress. We can see the stuff growing in there. We know that, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. hits us in uh, uh, very viscerally because we all eat and that's a, that's a, that's food, food that goes into the community, but the social mm-hmm. impact of what you're, uh, uh, using people that might be underemployed and uh, underutilized and giving them mm-hmm. meaningful jobs and jobs right. that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. jobs I, that really you know, that I, make I a difference. Right, absolutely. I would maybe argue with the word choice of give because people uh, Thank you. with yes. disabilities have yeah, merit, merit employment and uh, I think you know, when we look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is becoming more and more important as a subject and a topic that people are addressing, that disability is more part of the conversation than it was, which is nice. Um, you know, when we were filming, I would say the vertical harvest is about 50-50, 50% people with disabilities, 50% without. So, you know, they have, I think, a very... Um, inclusive culture that I think you see how it benefits the business. I think you see how it benefits the people um, and it also benefits the community. So I think getting away from a concept of us and them, you know, I don't have disabilities, therefore this has nothing to do. You know, I mean, the human experience is, definitely a continuum right so i think um my films have always focused on what we have in common and um 
and the benefits of focusing on some of that to bring people together and, and to affect positive change. Yes, and 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 there, they, we are all producing sustenance for the our neighbors. Well, yeah, I mean it's such a critical. I mean, I have to say that before I worked on this film, I'm not sure I was quite as tuned in to how important local food production is, um, you know, in terms of, you know, as you were saying, like everybody engages around food, right? It's this great connector of people and it's a really vital, you know, the people who are growing food, producing food in our communities are, you know, critical in so many ways to the, uh, the fabric. So I think, you know, this film also draws attention to, the need for local sustainable food production. Um, I think in a big picture way, it challenges people to sort of think outside the box, uh, talks about the role of innovation in, uh, in food production as well. And certainly I don't think anyone's advocating that all food be grown hydroponically in, you know, multi-story buildings. But, um, you know, I think as the challenge of growing food, uh, obviously increases with climate issues and land use and all of this, that it's another tool in the toolbox for feeding people. Correct. And we, we, in, in agriculture, we use the assets that God gave us, whatever that is. And, That's right. and in Jackson, it just happened to be that, that the community came together and built a, a, a facility. And I just, it, it, the tagline is, I think, isn't it a, a nonprofit with the soul of a for-profit? Um, I think in the film, and Nona, uh, one of the, the co-founders and the CEO of Vertical Harvest says, says this um, in the film, and she said it in numerous times when she's, she's given uh, talks, but it's a, uh, a, a for-profit business with a non-profit soul. Okay, I, I had a backwards. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but but I think I think it's really important to note that it is not a non-profit. Um, it is uh, um, technically uh, a low-profit uh, company, but so, so the social mission is obviously critical and important. But um, I do think that it, it differentiates it from uh, a for uh, a non-profit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but and, it, and we I'm talk sorry. a lot about sustainability now in, in mm-hmm. local food. And so that's what you're striving for. This thing is going to carry its own weight and, the, and, and all the participants are going to uh, provide uh, some, uh, some input that has real value, real utility. Right. Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about sustainability, there are several potential aspects to that sustainability. One is social sustain- sustainability of the mission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, economic sustainability is very important. And then I think, you know, sort of sustainability from an energy use perspective, the amount of energy used to grow food. So, you know, more than anything, so, so obviously vertical harvest from the look of it, from the description of it is very innovative and yes. you can't, you can't have innovation without risk. And most of us as a culture, as a people, we're pretty risk averse. We like to have a sure thing. And this is very uncomfortable territory for a lot of people. But um, I think, you know, there's an opportunity and they've been learning since they got in that building. And I think they've been very generous. I mean, the fact that they let me cover, you know, the first 15 months of operation and 
this is a the film is a snapshot of this first 15 months and they've made a lot of progress since we stopped filming so actually presenting um you know having these live screenings having these discussions are ways to not only focus on what was in the film and bring people up to speed but i think also engage the local communities in which we're presenting to just talk about things that are relevant uh, whether it's local food production or employment opportunities for community members with disabilities. Like we, our, our goal is not necessarily to come into the community and tell you everything that we're doing in Jackson. I think what we want is an, ex, you know, an active exchange of ideas and to learn about what's going on in other communities around the state. I'm very excited about that. It's good to, to get out of uh, Teton County and have an, an opportunity to, see what's going on in other parts of the state. Yeah, and you're going to be in this tour uh, as seven cities, isn't that right? Yes, it is. I'm going to be all over the place. You are. <laughs> you are. And we're starting here in Riverton on uh, yep. next Monday, September the 16th, 6 yep. o'clock. And then, yep, and we're going to be uh, at the, it's the theater, it's, right? It's the it, Robert Peck Arts Center, it is that is. it? Yes, that's okay. correct, yep. 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 And, and, and then there is a discussion afterwards. Right. So um, here's here's our clever plan to incorporate some food into the event. So um, it starts at six. Uh, there's like a little light refreshment, six to six thirty. We start our program at six thirty, but we'd like to invite people to come at six and mingle a little, have a little snack. Um, we've actually reached out to. Um, the uh, the Riverton Farmers Market to get a few products and um, the chef at uh, at CWC is accommodating us with uh-huh. some some local produce so that's very nice everybody's working everyone's playing well together yes we um, we've tend to do that here yes yeah you yeah. tend to do that that's good um, so we're screening the film and then having a panel discussion which will include, uh, so the moderator is Terry Dugas, mm-hmm. the general manager of PBS, mm-hmm. Wyoming PBS. And uh, then we have uh, four panelists, me and two um, employees from Vertical Harvest. And uh, the fourth panelist is Lynn McAuliffe, um, who's the Dean of Business and Workforce Development mm-hmm. at CWC and has been very active for years and all of those, uh, all of those aspects. Um, so after the panel discussion, we'll have another little snack time, uh, light refreshments, and sort of a post-screening reception. So we're excited to feed people on feed people a little snack on both ends, so they stick with us for the uh, for the whole program. And um, we're delighted that one of our uh, major funders is uh, the Wyoming Humanities Council, and we're very grateful them for um, seeing the value in uh, in this statewide tour. Is this going to be the first time this this film is seen, Lynn? Uh, Yeah, no, uh, this is um, not the first time it's been seen. We we have been at film festivals since January of 2019. We've screened in different parts around the nation, and uh, we did have a little bit of a hometown screening in june so you have to forgive us that we did start in jackson but um <laughs> well we won't mention that <laughs> don't hold that against us don't hold that against us. not at all not at all <laughs> well this is wonderful and it's 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 such an innovative 
a way for us to use all our resources, both labor uh, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, uh, all the other things that the good Lord gave us. And and mm-hmm. I didn't know this social aspect of it, and I think it's great, and we want to get this word out and people to come see. Uh, and like you said, this isn't so. Maybe we don't transmit this all over the state as a you know a, a series of greenhouses, but that concept of being right. able to uh, utilize people uh, right. uh, in a dignified way, and food certainly does that, doesn't it? Right, absolutely. And just a reminder that the programming is free and open to the public. Thank so, okay. so mm-hmm. again, that's September the 16th here in Riverton, Peck Theater. I start to come at 6 and get a little light repast and then stay for the discussion <laughs> afterwards, right? Yep, absolutely. You're right. correct, Jack. Jennifer, thank you. I will be there. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're also talking today with Caroline Este, who's one of the operators of Vertical Harvest in Jackson. Can you kind of tell the story of the of the concept and and how it started? Sure. I know you've been a decade into this, at least, right? Yes. So I'm a co-founder as well. I and anything that I'm missing, you know, we can. I can get from Nona, the other co-founder. We can also, the website's got some good information. But basically, I was an independent case manager and um, waiver provider for the DD, which stands for Developmental Disabilities, Medicaid waiver in Wyoming. And a lot of the young adults that I was working with were running into roadblocks. They were graduating just to find meaningful employment. So this was right kind of when the recession hit. Okay. So here I am looking for work. Meanwhile, there's two other women. One is named Penny McBride, and she is a sustainability consultant. And she lived in Jackson and just kept running into the issue of finding, you know, fresh produce. Right. Um, as you know, in Wyoming, our growing season is very small. And she and getting was smaller looking, sometimes. <laughs> it does, yeah. especially today. It's so yes. Um, of just running into roadblocks of, you know, finding fresh produce. And then Nona Yahya, who's the other co-founder, is an architect, and she's also um, has a brother with developmental disabilities. Oh, okay. So the three of us collided, you could say. Nona and Penny, I think, met at a bachelorette party. <laughs> and then I somehow got linked up with Penny, but it was all around the same time. And from this meeting of these three women... They, Penny had this idea of the greenhouse. Nona was an architect. And then I said, hey, when this gets moving and going, um, I've got I've got people that I would love yes. to work for you, yes. you know, this whole population of people. So it took, I always like to say, I got remarried and had two more children. But it was really, it was about a decade from, you know, the end right around the recession hit to 2016. We opened our doors in March of 2016. Um there were there was a tremendous amount of legwork to be done. Sure. You know, we the land that we're on is town land, and we were able to secure or find that one of the town councilmen, Mark Obringer, his son also has a disability, and he is the one that had told us about the land. Now, I think I don't think he thought that we would build a three story greenhouse on it. I did, did anybody? <laughs> Nobody did. I know it really was this passion that led it all. And so when, um, you know, Nona and one of our, now our CFO, Eric Griffin, who at the time was um, just a good friend of hers, they were walking kind of the, they were 
walking around the the little tiny parcel, and he said, you know, Nona, do what you do best and go up. Yes. And so um, it's three greenhouses stacked on top of each other. We are the only, we were the first vertical greenhouse in the Northern Hemisphere to um, have multiple crops. Vertical farming is the fastest growing industry in the agriculture world right now. So let's Um, let's define just a little bit. Are we defining uh, stumbling for the term here where you grow it in a a water medium? The hydroponic. Yeah, the hydroponic, yes. Yes. So, well, vertical farming, so just farming that is vertical, so there's, I think on the East Coast, there's a lot of like old warehouses that are being converted right. into and, farms. And they're doing a lot of containers and stuff like that. A You're, lot of container farming because we're running, first of all, we don't have any soil yeah. and there's not much nutritional value in our soil that's left. And um, it's just, you know, they're, they're taking old abandoned warehouses and repurposing them. Um, I'm sure you've seen pictures of our greenhouse. It's not a warehouse. It's I've, a glass building. I've been in it actually. Yes. Oh, great. Jack, you've been in it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it captures, you know, the sunlight and also because of our social mission and because we're on this public land, it allows, um, you know, the, the community to access it through our retail space. And then we do public tours. Um, three to four times a week, depending on the season. So let's describe it just a little bit for those that might not have been there. It's a three-story structure, uh, but the the plants plants are able to go all the way up, right? They are. So we have seven carousels that were designed by the Dutch. The Dutch have been hydroponic farming for over a century. I mean, they, they... you know, didn't want to have any more famines, and so they learned how to grow their own food. And and again, this was a time um, that we were in a recession, and so we were able to work with a gentleman named Thomas Larson, who's one of he's just a world renowned um, greenhouse engineer. And so they built these carousels specifically for our greenhouse. Ah, okay. um, and it's kind of like a T on its side. Um, so. The fifth carousel we have, which is in the middle of the greenhouse, goes all the way up to the third floor and all the way down. The other six carousels are on our second floor and go up. Um, They still are able to capture that third and first floor. It's a little bit limited space, but it's on it's a T. So we're equivalent to about a 10 acre farm um, and we're on one tenth of an acre. Right. and so that's what's pretty, you know, profound. And and so the other thing that's different about us in this greenhouse is it's three greenhouses stacked on top of each other. Yes. So we grow tomatoes on the top floor, microgreens and specialty greens, and then lettuces. So a complete salad, as I like to say. Aha, uh-huh. okay. And, and, and we and each, got each the, the, the... Have a different microgreens. Yes. Uh, the, have we got an idea of the production of, of the greenhouse? How much will that produce yeah. in a twelve-month period? How much? So about a hundred, a hundred thousand pounds of produce wow. a year. Wow! Um, I could get those numbers right now, but we're, you know, we're definitely. Um, we just. This is actually our second year where we are GAP certified, and that stands for Good Agriculture Practices. Yes, it's a very hard certification to get, yes. but we got it on our first try. I also believe that's a testament to our employees who work so hard and are so diligent and precise in what they do. So that has allowed us to distribute to Montana 
and to Idaho. And we also now are distributing to Albertson. Um, so what is so your distribution we, system? Is that in-house or do you, you broker that out? Well, right now, I mean, we, we do a 40 mile radius outside of Jackson, you know, in Jackson and then a little bit outside. So we have several local grocery stores and restaurants that we have a culinary circle. And that was a group of restaurants that came on board before we opened our doors. And then we have other um, grocery stores and restaurants. Um, But we have partnered with an organization called Local Life. And they are um, a company that works for Cisco. And so they help bring local foods, you know, and distribute it through Cisco. So we do work with... um, distribution right company and for people that don't know cisco i think is the largest uh, food distributor i think in the world aren't yeah. they? yes yeah well that's that's wonderful so that this is a 12 month a year uh, uh yes the plants process. don't take a day off yeah the 365 <laughs> day a year seven day a week job um and you know it's great in the dead of winter when it's negative twenty out to be able to eat a fresh tomato. Or I think we have now over twenty seven varieties of microgreens. Wow! And microgreens are definitely people are are learning about them. I am not a farmer; I'm a people person. But when I started, um, I didn't know much about microgreens, and it's the baby offshoot yes. plant. So uh-huh. we have sunflowers and um, rock chives and. Um, cilantro, wasabi, um, and so they have 40% more nutritional value than their adult counterpart. So it really, you get a lot of bang for your buck of taste and nutritional value. Um, and because they're young, they're course, always tender, right? They're young and tender, yes, <laughs> yes. and delicious. Yes. yes. So that that's uh, your production then is, is tomatoes and microgreens? And lettuces. We ah, also there um, you go, okay butterhead lettuce and then sweet mix and then we have some mixed minis which are just these little miniature lettuces that we sell as well and might i say you said it was wonderful when it's 20 below to, to be able to get a, a, a ripe tomato it's wonderful just to stand on the street and see some that are growing you know that's a that's almost yeah. a, a miracle in itself isn't it? it it is it is and you know i mean last winter we had a big winter but in 2016 we called it snowmageddon and all the <laughs> arteries were blocked off to get into Jackson yep. for over a week. Yep. And we had a greenhouse. And so, you know, when you're looking at that we're trucking our food in, you know, from Mexico and California, um, really, I, I think now what we're starting to measure is what is the actual nutritional value of that head of lettuce that came from Mexico versus what, and you can taste it with our lettuce and with our tomatoes and with our microgreens. You bet. Um, yeah. There's nothing like freshness to add to the flavor, is there? It's just it's not a, at all. It, the the like closer that. you can get it to where you eat it, the better off you are. And I love that concept of of the local production, especially on year round. And when people think about Wyoming, you sure don't think about uh, the lettuce and, and tomatoes and microgreens in January. But you've proved that it can be done. Not only done, but done with uh, using uh, people that really appreciate what they're doing and are able to uh, add to society. Uh, and that makes exactly. a lot. Yeah, it makes a lot of difference. We, we really have. I mean, we've tapped into an underserved workforce yeah. um, that, you know, has wanted to work but not have been given the chance. And we truly have an inclusive workplace. I mean, 
It, our numbers fluctuate just with summer interns and volunteers, but roughly we have about 34 employees, okay. 19 of whom have a different ability. Yep. Um, at this point, and as I said, Jack, I was, you know, my, my background is people working with people with different abilities, um, but never have I seen just a culture or been a part of a culture that truly is inclusive. I mean, now it's the point where, you know, you don't see the disability or the different ability or the gender. I mean, we all just work together and we're friends. I've created over the last few years an inclusive employment model called the Grow Well model. Um, and so when we replicate these greenhouses, we will also bring with it the social mission and the, replic- the replication of this inclusive workplace model that works on people's professional skills, but also on personal empowerment and then community impact. We really believe that it, this is a community project. This is about changing a community through food and through empowerment and through employment. So you're planning on exporting this model to other places? Yes. Every day we get numerous calls and emails. Um, and when we opened the doors in 2016, you know, this is a passion project and nobody had done it, let alone in a hole in Wyoming. And so, you know, we had people from the minute we opened, we want to do what you're doing. And our Nona Yahya, our CEO, who is just an incredible leader, said, you know what, we got to get it right first. And yes. so we've really refined our business model, our practices, our standard operating procedures. We were recently um, awarded a half a million dollar feasibility contract um, through the Fannie Mae, through Fannie Mae, and we're looking at how we could scale one of these in Chicago, and mm, partnering good. with NAHT, which is the National Affordable um, Housing Trust. So, you know, it, it, it meets the needs of so many things, you know, and especially of a community. Um, and so right now, our hope is that in the next decade, there would be several vertical harvests throughout the United States of America that would include this inclusive model, whether it's working with people with different abilities or veterans. Um, yes. I mean, there's so many underserved populations and underemployed populations that could really benefit from this model. So of a, of a, as a percentage of the uh, of people with disabilities, how many are you employing? out of that uh, total? In other words, is there a lot more that could use jobs? You know, well, we do partner with the high school right now. We do a lot of internship uh-huh. job experiences. The one issue we have is nobody wants to leave. <laughs> so we haven't had any turnover. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, now the cool thing is, is when we replicate, a lot of our employees will come with us, like they'll come with me to train in other parts of the U.S., which I think is really cool. Um, but right now, yes, there are plenty of other people in, in our tiny Teton County that would love to work that aren't working as much as they are capable of working at all. Um, but I, I feel like our model also is it's a great community model in that it's showing other businesses. You know, I've had so many people walk in the door and they know about the greenhouse, but they don't know about the employment. Exactly. And then it's just kind of like putting two and two together. And like, oh, wow, I didn't realize facilities could work. Exactly. You know, and if you're not, if that's not part of your everyday world, you know, I could understand why maybe that's not on your radar. But that's, now that yeah, that's what excites me about this whole thing so much. I knew about the production. I'd been, I'd walked around it. I saw you growing. So I had no idea that that you, you were able to use these people with, with slight disabilities or disabilities. And that's such a wonderful thing for them to have a job that they could take pride in. 
Did they? I mean, they're see, they're they're change makers. They're they're on the cutting edge of innovation right now in food production, and and the other thing that I think is so profound is we all have to start somewhere. Washing dishes, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with bagging groceries. But in my experience in the last 20 years with people with different abilities, that was kind of it for them. Mm-hmm. And it was only a couple hours a week. There was no chance for upward mobility. I have you know over half my employees who have had raises in their, you know, not only just fiscal raises, but just in their, in their department. They are now senior associates. They are now holding keys to the building. They are going with Gen 10 on, you know, the college tour to speak. Things that a year, two years ago, they never, ever would have dreamed of right. doing. Right. And I know so much of that is because of the greenhouse and just having this environment where you can grow not only food, but then grow as a human. All of us, with and without disabilities. Yes, yes, and that is such, it's such a great thing to be able to feed your neighbors. It's it's such such yes. a pride maker, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. definitely. All right, well, Carolyn, we really appreciate this, and and and, and I want to uh, open this up to people when they go through Jackson. If nothing else, walk down there, and now that you know that they're not only uh, growing good food. They're changing good lives, too, and helping people, and that's that's a wonderful model. Carolyn, congratulations. We really appreciate being on, on our show today. Jack, thanks so much, and we'll keep growing, and I, I look forward to seeing some other Wyomingites coming through our greenhouse, and they can also check out our website, verticalharvestjackson.com, if they want to learn more about the story and or if they have an interest in replication. Thank you, Carolyn. All right. Thanks, Jack. So as you can see, the story of the vertical harvest in Jackson is much more than the story of produce in a greenhouse. And this story will be told at a film that will premiere in Riverton Monday, September the 16th in the Peck Theater at the CWC campus. There's no admission fee, so please everybody come and listen to how people feed people and at the same time employ people who are in desperate need of meaningful work. There will be a discussion session afterwards, so come at 6 o'clock, get some local hors d'oeuvres, watch the film that starts at 6.30, and then stay for the discussion afterwards. We hope to see you there. To finish up with a poem today, let's go with a classic. This thing's so old we can't even remember who, who wrote it, actually, but it's, it's sure one of everybody's favorites. It's called The Ballot of the Strawberry Roan. While well, I was standing around town just spending my time, just out of a job and not earning a dime when a feller come up and he said, I suppose, you're a bronc rider from the looks of your clothes. Well, you figured me right. I'm a good one, I claim. Do you, do you happen to have any bad ones to tame? He said, I got one. I got a bad one to buck. At throwing good riders, he's had lots of luck. Well, I got all head up, and I asked what it paid to ride this old nag for a couple of days. He offered me ten, and I said, I'm your man. The bronc ain't alive, Lord, that I cannot fan. He said, get your saddle. I'll give you a chance. We hopped in the buckboard and rides to the ranch, and I stayed till morning, and right after Chuck, we went down to see if that outlaw could buck. Well, down in the horse corral, standing alone in the old caballo, a strawberry roan. His legs were all splavened, and he had pigeon toes, little pig eyes, and a big Roman nose. 
little pin ears, what touched at the tip, and he had a big 44 brand on his left hip. He was eudecked and all with a long lower jaw. You can see with one eye, he was a regular outlaw. Well, I get some blinds on him. It, it sure was a fight. Next comes the saddle, and I screwed it down tight. I stepped up on him and raised up the blinds. Get out of the way, boys. She's going to unwind. And sure as a frog walker, he heaved a big sigh and only lacked wings what to be on the fly. He turned his old belly up there to the sun. He sure was a sun-fishing son of a gun. He's about the worst bucker I'd seen on the range. He could stop on a nickel and give you some change. Come down on all fours and then go up on high, leaving me spinning up there in the sky. Well, I turned over twice, and then I come back to earth, sitting there cussing the day of his birth. I know there's ponies that I cannot ride. Some of them left, Lord. They haven't all died. But I'll bet my last dollar the man ain't alive. Stay with Strawberry when he takes his high dive. For Fremont Local Food Podcast, this is Jack Schmidt. I'll see you next week.